Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, and today we're visiting with the founder of Liquid Trainer, Ron Lemire. Hey, Ron. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I am too. Really excited. We got a lot to share with folks. Ron is a graduate of Maine Maritime Academy and became a marine engineer. He worked out at sea for a few years following and worked for oil companies on tankers mud boats and seismograph boats covering all aspects of oil development from searching for oil fields to drilling for oil by delivering mud to the rigs and transporting oil on tankers. Sometimes he didn't see land for six months. After becoming disenchanted with the oil industry, he wanted a change and drove to Boulder, Colorado. While heading west, As the Rocky Mountains appeared in the distance, John Denver's famous song, Rocky Mountain High, was playing on the radio. After years of deep study in rolfing, Moshe Feldenkrais science of centering and body-centered psychotherapy, Ron received an invitation to Aspen to provide a healing session to an anonymous client, whom he found out was John Denver. This set his life on a new trajectory, including spending most of the 1980s traveling with John Denver never returning to the sea to work but deepening in his commitment to body healing ron would incorporate his experience and body-centric knowledge into developing the liquid trainer which we are excited to share with you today ron it's really uh, a joy to have this opportunity to visit with you and we've of course had uh, a handful of wonderful conversations these past several months and what, what i'm excited about with this particular episode is that we're going to be offering a really cool uh, training health and wellness fitness device to folks to get at a discount. But we're also going to have an opportunity to kind of peek into the last several decades of history here in the Boulder, Colorado, Aspen area and some of the things that have unfolded in that really magical period of time. So, you know, Ron, I thought I would just kick it right off by asking you, um, what was that like coming from the east driving west and, and seeing those mountains start to grow little by little uh, as as you're listening to John Denver's music? Oh, it's entering a new threshold. And uh, it's really an interesting time because it was in the early 70s. So I just wanted to see the Rocky Mountains, like the physical aspects of them, you know. I didn't think of anything else. And then when we rolled into Boulder, it was like going through a curtain of time. It was a renaissance. There was so much aliveness and consciousness that it was baffling. It was totally baffling. It shattered all the logic that I was carrying around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time in the early 70s, there was a, uh, an, you could say, an invasion from the East. And the West was standing on its own ground. So we had like Ayurvedic medicine. We had yoga, meditation, we had Chinese medicine, Japanese macrobiotics, we had yoga, martial arts, um, and all the different modalities that were here in Boulder already, which was where Ida Rolf was beginning her guild, Honora Wolf was beginning the massage school, and it was uh, from Tibet, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche came through, and opened up Buddhism to all of us here. And then there was Rajneesh with all his 
ancient orange people running around in their robes, orange robes, and you had Yogi Bhajan, people wearing white turbans and white and carrying daggers. It's a very colorful time. Now, it's, I was, because of my engineering background, somehow I got involved in looking at structure in the human body. I had a teacher named uh, Dr. Binder who <clears throat> helped me uh, basically shift my understanding of my health. He was an acupuncturist, or he is an acupuncturist, a homeopath, a chiropractor, naturopath, and uh, basically uh, I saw him regularly and was guided to learn lots of different things. And one of the things that he taught me was a thing called position technique, which is the science of centering. And it was applying suspension mechanics to the human frame. And because I, I thought a lot logically about how a, a ship is, you know, kept on in balance by ballasting with midline of the tanker or whatever. And the structures of the ship and how it stays together, it was, to me, studying anatomy and physiology in the interest of learning position technique was just downloading. It was just, you know, who who created what, right? The, the human body or the ship? We came first, but everything that we've ever seen in systems like that, I began to see in systems in ourselves, you know, in, a, in how the cellular body works. So I really was interested in understanding um, structure. And that was my approach to uh, health and vitality. And from there, it started making sense as to uh, how important core was and more movement modalities like yoga, martial arts and things like that over the years that's great yeah and we're gonna have an opportunity to chat a bit about not only some of your uh, experiences on land but also at sea and apparently there was a great story you have to share with Jacques Cousteau and uh, I want to before getting to that I want to ask you what what was it like you know those those times when you were working at sea for so many months like that and, and not seeing land. Very Neptunian. Yeah. <laughs> Expand. <laughs> I would, I have a, the way that I worked uh, on that particular boat, it was a, a seismograph boat where we had these <clears throat> uh, cables going out, dragging, and they would sense the bottom and tell where there was oil in us. So our shifts were 12, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. In my, a lot of my off time, I had a library with me and that's all they did was study and I would meditate a lot and I remember one time just meditating on the open sea all of a sudden we ran into a, a sea of flying fish and they just came on deck and we had I had to kind of bail them back out you know <laughs> a lot of bizarre things happen when you don't see land for six months I bet. Yeah. <laughs> but interesting thing also is you learn about ground reaction force and that's the opposite reaction that you have when you step. Gravity comes and gives you an opposite reaction. Now, when you're on a boat, you have to be very grounded. You can't walk above your center. You have to be totally grounded in your center. So if, if you're at the bow and, and, the, and the boat is listing, you know, starboard and port, whenever the, whenever the starboard side comes up, you push away from it, shifts your weight to the left side, and then you push away. You have to be stuck to the deck and you have to go with the rhythm of what the deck how the deck moves and in order to do that without getting seasick or any of that is you have to think from the ground up and that's called ground reaction force and that understanding may be in the six months of being out to sea 
<clears throat> was totally in myself to understand how we work, how we walk on the earth, because you never think about ground reaction force on the ground, but I can help you relate to ground reaction force if you're on a boat, mm -hmm. right? So interesting, and, and here we are, our feet, you know, firmly planted on the ground, and uh, part of your technology, of course, a very the, the core of it is that you're working with, with water, with liquid, as you're moving it around. And I thought maybe, do you mind holding up the liquid trainer just so we can show folks? And at the end of the episode, Ron's going to actually demonstrate how to use this. And uh, uh, I, I got one a few weeks back, and it's been so fun to think that, you know, whether we're living in an apartment in the middle of a city or in the suburbs somewhere or out in a rural setting, uh, this trainer should be very easy for us to utilize in, in just about any um, environment or circumstance. And uh, it really, it, it gets a full body flow going in a way that a lot of the other exercise equipment uh, doesn't seem to. It does. <clears throat> At first, in the first lessons, you learn ground reaction force and relative to where the water is in the bag. So the, what you want to do with the liquid trainer is learn how to send the water from one end to the next. And then it happens in almost, and it happens in all planes of movement. What you do to one side, you have to do equally to the other. And because you, you have this little extra two pound weight, it tends to want to just pull the tendons enough to say, I want to go further, I want to go further. Then first thing you know, this simple movement becomes very fluid. You start to let go, you start, your fascial tissue starts to unwind, and the first thing you know, your posture is straighter because the erectus benign muscles are equally used in a circular way. Very incredible bonus. You only have to do this for about a week or so and you're gonna be walking differently. Yeah, it's so great, it's so exciting, and, and we're really excited to announce also that uh, Liquid Trainer is now part of our regenerative economic ecosystem, which means that uh, with the code Why on Earth, when you go to liquidtrainer.com, you'll get a 20% discount on your purchase, and a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the Why on Earth community to support our podcast episodes and our community mobilization work going forward. So it's a real win-win-win, Ron, and, and we're really excited about uh, the relationship and sort of bringing in the new year 2021 with this in mind and inviting folks to make Liquid Trainer a part of their health and wellness uh, routine. Should be a lot of fun. Um, and if you think about it, we are cells of the planet. The planet is 70% water, we're 70% water. Uh, the planet turns in a counterclockwise direction and we, our dominant side is counterclockwise being right-handed. And so when you do a movement, whenever you, uh, you'll take this, we, you could look at it because it's uh, sort of like a flexible plastic, right? This is a special polyurethane and it has an incredible strength, durability. You'll never ever really through movement ever puncture it. You'll puncture it through putting it on the wrong can I change this? Poking it yeah, or if whatever. I, if, if you poke no it or problem. bad ground or yeah. stalactite ceilings in hotels, you know, yeah. those are the kind of things. But just on your own, if you if you had the free movement to, throw, to toss this water around, you will not ever, ever break this. It's got such great durability. 
Now you think about it, it's just like your skin. So if you take care of your skin the same way, uh, if you take care of the bag the same way you take care of your skin, it could last you, you know, decades. A lifetime, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's how you take care of it the same way. Uh, because it's like your skin as well, you could say this is like our, our new Aquarian technology of adding an appendage to bring you back into balance. Because whenever you do a movement from right to left to left to right, in any plane of motion, you're basically optimizing ranges of motion that you never knew you had. So it restores a lot of the early movements you lost through your education. <clears throat> this brings you right back into a, a real sense of balance. You'll know where your core is, you'll know how you stand erect-wise, and you'll feel more suspended. So this is why I stuck with this thing. You know, uh, when we were living here in Boulder, Chris and I, we had a, a Lele was around 11 or 12, something like that. She was at uh, Shining Mountain, you know. And I, at the time, had enough bags to teach people. And she says, you know, Dad, maybe you could help, uh, you know, a class. We, you can teach the class. So I got this Waldorf class. And they were, like, between 7th, 8th, and ninth grades. And um, <clears throat> so at first, this, uh, two of the young boys, probably around 10 years old, were, like, they had they had this kind of posture, you know. Yeah. And you yeah. see that a lot, right? It's yeah. like tuber. The bones are growing faster than the muscles, so they're like tight, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens here, you know. Because uh, at the time, I was just using the bag to rehab shoulders because they did such an incredible thing with shoulders. And uh, so I really it didn't connect yet. I still had seven years into you know cultivating movements and working with the inventor and different teachers that were around. And, and um, when I, we had uh, three classes per week, and then we did that for three weeks, and then we had Christmas break. So I taught them all the movements. Think about these kids at, at that age is that you can't just show them one or two movements. They're movement junkies. You have to, like, <laughs> feed them at every, keep their attention, their interest, yeah. the whole thing. So two weeks goes by, Christmas, they come back, we have another class. And all of a sudden, these two young boys that I saw that were like this, all of a sudden were like this. Yeah. And I'm going, holy smokes, <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> so I was curious as to what therapist they went to see. Yeah. Because I've worked <laughs> on a lot of kids like that, and, and changing the structure that dramatically is not done in Rolfing, it's not done in Feldenkrais, it's not done in any of these. This is, <laughs> these are real serious structural almost adhesions because the muscles are so tied in. So <clears throat> they said, no, we didn't, we didn't see any therapists. I said, what do you mean? Didn't have anybody work on you? <laughs> no. I said, what did you do? Well, we got a lot of movements to show you. We've been working at these movements yeah. like hours every day. <laughs> and we've got like three or four that I'm sure you've never seen before. Cool. And so it was the bag. That's when I. That's when it totally got. I saying, "Holy smokes! If it can do this to this, to this, yeah, what can it do to that generation who learns how to do this? Yeah. And by the time when, when they get into sports, they're going to have a, a a basic facility. I mean, a, a, yeah. a reflex that they you know they could never have just doing what how athletes train today. Yeah, and it, it creates a real advantage. And I know that you did some 
training with the uh, the Indiana Pacers, the professional basketball team, and I, I, I notice, you know, whether it's kids, you know, uh, growing up and, and getting excited about athletics and, and, and having an edge, excelling in yeah. athletics, or for a lot of us in our adult years, you know, I myself am at a computer a lot, writing and communicating with folks. So my shoulders and this is, back, you I'll know, tell certainly you, Aaron, get affected it, by It's that. basically this. It's <laughs> for kids of all ages yeah. and all walks of life. Love it. You know, so no one ever addresses a musician, for example, about how to work out to become sure, a musician. Sure, right? sure. You get, you get the instruments, you're doing scales all the time, and you're... you're, you're nervous system is finally tapped in and you can do all this but unfortunately if you don't do anything for the body what happens is you adapt to the instrument that you're playing right you know right. And, and this is more uh uh this is a veteran piano player's posture right here yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> after yeah. after they you know i've got a, de- I've got a, done a, a dentist friend who's quite young and she's already getting yeah. back issues from leaning over like this all the time working on people when you teeth. do that and you have a focus it kind of like creates a, a form you know that keeps yeah. the fossil form for it and it hardens yeah anyhow this particular device is uh, i've had like musicians come back and tell me i don't know what this is but i'm writing different kind of songs and i'm playing differently wow so cool. Oh, cool. So cool. cool. I'm really, I'm excited we're able to share this with our Why on Earth community. And uh, I wanted to ask, what was it like working with the, uh, with the Indiana Pacers? I mean, these are athletes at the top of their game, pun intended. Yeah. No, they are. <clears throat> They're the most fascinating athletes I've ever seen because I've, I've never really played basketball and, um, except for, you know, during gym. Yeah. And, uh, um, so I never watched the game as to really uh, uh, through my eyes of movement. And so after I started developing my sense of understanding structure and how it applied in martial arts or yoga or, or the different kind of bodies that expressed, I noticed when I was working with the Indiana Pacers is that these guys are freaking incredible athletes. Yeah. They're like, like Rick Smith was seven feet, four or five inches tall. And he had, so one of the problems he had is his knees were blown out, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I watched Rick run down the court, and he had this, like, wobble, pretty much a 23-and-a-half-degree wobble like the earth, you know. Wow, wow. <laughs> so he was going like that, and I said, well, that's the problem with the knees right there because that's, the, that's where it's impacting. Yeah. <clears throat> so I worked with Rick with the liquid trainer as well as uh, teaching him uh, suspension mechanics, so how to... How to, walk, how to run down a court, for example, where you don't have a, uh, a line, where you come into your core and you allow your core to extend. Hmm. This is something that uh, was in the Don Juan books with Carlos Castaneda, sure, The yeah, Power of the Gate. Those are powerful books. <laughs> well, yeah. he learned it, and when, I, when it came to the playoffs, I noticed he didn't have any knee pads, and he no longer had the wobble. So I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. So working with these particular uh, athletes... Uh, it, it's they, their natural instinct is so developed. It's like at the eye. They have to do everything equally left, equally right. Yeah. I mean, a layup has to be done equally both ways, or the pace scale goes right down. You know. Yeah. And uh, so they, what I find in uh, in watching that sport is they have to start real fast, stop, turn, jump up, 
land, yeah. hopefully not on someone else's foot so they could twist an ankle, yeah, right. you know, or the other person get a broken foot, you know. Yeah. Imagine yeah. Shock O'Neill, 300 pounds, going up on the layup and coming down right. on your foot. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you know, I didn't see one practice ever where somebody didn't draw blood. <laughs> yeah. It was always like that rough. I was saying, holy smokes, I've never seen basketball from this point of view. Yeah, yeah. So it was really fun to teach them because they learned it very fast. It, anyone that has a kinesthetic sense of development at that level learns this almost immediately, you know. And people who still need a, kind of a lot of like coordination or steps to get a better coordination, it takes them a little time to... Uh, to learn the movements left and right equally because they rely so much on dominant side that they have to educate the left side. And once that's broken free, then all of a sudden everything starts to change. You have a left and right brain coordination and you have a left and right hemisphere coordination and not to mention a much greater range of motion in all the joints, ankles, oh, yeah. knees, hips. It's amazing. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, let me, uh, let me just remind our audience that uh, this is the Why on Earth Community podcast. And today we're visiting with Ron Lemire, the founder of Liquid Trainer. And you can get a 20% discount when you go to liquidtrainer.com uh, using the code Why on Earth. I'd like to thank our sponsors for making this episode and our podcast series possible. And uh, this includes Earth Coast Productions, the Lidge Family Foundation, Alpine Botanicals, Purium, Earth Hero, Liquid Trainer, Vera Herbals, Growing Spaces, Soilworks, 1% for the Planet, Earth Water Press, Dr. Bronner's, and Waylay Waters. Of course, a very special thank you to all of you in our audience and in our Why on Earth Community Network who have joined our monthly giving program. If you haven't yet joined, you can go right to whyonearth.org and click on the donate button and set it up at any level uh, that works well for you. If you'd like, you can set at the $33 or greater level and get monthly shipments of our aromatherapy CBD hemp infused soaking salts from Waylay Waters as a nice thank you. And uh, speaking of waters uh, and Speaking of lifetimes, uh, you know, this, this time you spent with, with John Denver, including uh, when you guys were, were aboard the Calypso with Jacques Cousteau, uh, obviously what was a, a tremendous period in, in your life, Ron. And I've heard you share some of your stories and experiences with me. And I, I wanted uh, to give our audience an idea of, of what that was like back, back during those years spending time up at uh, uh, Starwood and uh, up in the Aspen Snowmass area. You know, there was so much happening then that has really deeply influenced our sustainability movement. A lot of folks may not understand uh, what was uh, all those connections that were being made back in the 70s but, uh, and 80s, but so much was happening that has really uh, helped our world in a lot of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> at the time, um, so I met this guy, you know, that became one of my clients here, and he lived in Aspen. And one day he calls me and says, you know, I have a friend that could really use your work, and, uh, but he lives here in Aspen. And I said, you know, I got a buddy that's coming up 
this coming weekend, we can do something then. I mean, I have never been to Aspen. I'd really like to see it. And he says, sure. So he arranged this time, and I didn't think anything of it. Yeah. So I get to uh, um, <clears throat> my friend Scotty Halzon brought me there in his van and then dropped me off at his, one of his friends' house. It was the first time I was in Aspen. This was in uh, later December, and it was minus 20 degrees out. Wow. Almost as cold as it is right now. Yeah, it's a little chilly We're sitting outside. Yeah, there's a there's a storm blowing in. It was warmer <laughs> earlier. Now it's it's coming from the mountains. We're feeling it. <laughs> so, so anyhow, I didn't have a car, and and Scott that night tells my friend. I asked my friend Jimmy Winger. He says, Jimmy says you got a car you can lend Ron. He's got a. We just found out he's got a, a, a treatment with John Denver tomorrow. <laughs> he says, ah. Oh. He says, I only got two cars in the back. He says, they're 1956 uh, Cadillac. I got a pink Cadillac with no roof on it. (laughs) But it starts. It starts every single time. And I got a white Cadillac with a roof, but I can't get it going. So you're going to have to use the pink Cadillac. The convertible. The convertible. (laughs) I said, sure, no problem. So, But the next day I'm going up, you know. McLean Flats up at the Starwood, and it's freaking cold. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. like, my ears like numb. And I get to the gate, and the guy uh, says, uh, what do you want? <laughs> I said, I got it. I have an appointment with John Denver. So he calls John, and I could hear him say, John, I got a real live one outside here. Says <laughs> he claims that he's got an appointment with you. What's his name? And he asked my name. I said, Ron Lemire. He said, oh, yeah, send him right up. So I'm driving to finally get to the back into his driveway. And there's John. He's kind of waiting for me with his arms crossed like this. And uh, as I stop the car, he kind of inspects the car, goes all the way around, comes back to the window, doesn't even make any mention of no top, you know. <clears throat> he says, cool wheels, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that kind of broke the ice uh. and so I stayed with him for the next three days three days three nights gave him, helped him to understand why his back was the way it was and uh, <clears throat> as he was sharing with me about his life because uh, I didn't really know that much about John except for hearing that song coming in yeah yeah I was telling him what was going on in Boulder and about cooking and I said you're really you're in desperate means if you have to stay with restaurants everywhere you go. Right. You know? Right, right. I says, I remember when I was in California, I met up with the Grateful Dead's cooks. And those guys are on special diets wherever they travel. I should say on natural foods wherever right. they travel. Right, right. So he, it was a really good idea for him. Yeah. And he came back to me and said, you know, <laughs> my friend Tom Crum, who was his co-founder of Windstar, needs to spend more time at Windstar, and he kind of runs security. He could, you could be on the road with him for a couple months and take over his position. Yeah. Because you had this uh, uh, fighting background, you know, you did some boxing and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so we, we came up with some ideas, and uh, uh, I got a, a big trunk with pots and pans, you know, like uh, pressure cookers, <laughs> woks, and had brown rice, miso, seaweeds, tamari, uh, wow. all kinds of different condiments to go along. Wow. And uh, got a, a three-burner uh, Coleman fuel stove. And on February 21st, he calls me to fly me 
to Houston on February 22nd, which was my birthday. It was just ha it was just coincidental. So from that time on, on my birthday in 1980, until um, throughout throughout the 80s, I was a uh, cook, yeah, his therapist, and his bodyguard, that or his. So cool. I was a head of security. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, wow, it just like opened another window. You know, Boulder yeah. was one. That was a bag of tricks that I took along with me because everybody that worked with John literally had a bag of tricks, whether they were their own musician, whether they were management, whatever. He had a good team around him. A lot of skills. Yeah, a lot yeah. of Interesting. And so uh, every day I cooked a meal, seven or eight course meal for about 12 people, you know, on uh, the three burner Coleman fuel stove. That is so great. Yeah, we what were called the boat people. The boat people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And tell us the story. And I, I, I know we should probably get you demonstrating the liquid trainer. It'll warm us up a little, too. Yeah, and, it'll uh, warm me up. You know, do you, want to, uh, <laughs> do you want to do that first and then tell the story about Jacques Cousteau? Or, sure. Or how would you like sure. to do that? <clears throat> well, let me see. Maybe I can segue with, with uh, a story. Um, so I was telling Aaron... I met Aaron at our day, and we talk a lot about it. Our, our day uh, started out as uh, Aspen Renewable Energy Day, and it has almost 20 years now of an annual conference with all kinds of innovators, leaders, uh, scientists, folks working on climate action and soil regeneration and, and all manners of right. sustainability and wellness. So just so folks uh, know what that is. Yeah, that's what that is. And now it makes me segue into this other thing. Is this guy named Chip Cummins, who's the guy who's the author of that? Who's been, been on a podcast episode. <laughs> Chip, Chip's yeah. been on an episode. Anyhow, yeah. Chip was with Malcolm at the time that John passed away. And he, he was in one of the lower houses. So he and Malcolm went up to the house. And Chip spent some time in John's uh, music room. And then Chip was telling me, he says, I had all these downloads, man. It's like John was right there telling me. Hmm. <clears throat> and Chip, see, at the time, we had the Windstar Symposium. Every summer, there was the Choices for the Future Symposium in Aspen. Uh, and that was, that was done with Tom Crum and John and Buckminster Fuller and all these really avant-garde people that would do this. And they would talk about really where the state of the world is as far as the environment is concerned. And uh, so after John passed away, there was a lag. There was nobody, nobody picked it up. Anyhow, Chip Cummins, I just want to honor him for taking the, ling, uh, taking the, the lineage from John and just continuing uh, to do our day. So great. I'll be sure to send Chip a message when this episode's published and give him a heads up. And so, you know, uh, working with John, I got exposed to a lot of his concerns around the environment. I consider him to be uh, truly one of the more powerful environmental voices. He began so many things. Uh, one of the influences that really shifted him was when he was on uh, uh, the Calypso with Jacques. And um, Jacques was one of these guys that was a co-inventor of like the Aqualung or uh, where you could go underneath water and stay there for quite a long time with the holes, you know. And uh, he took a lot of pictures. So John was going out in the Calypso with Jacques, and Jacques took him down and showed him some pictures, some photos, some, uh, some movies that he had done like 20 years ago. 
And um, and there were like incredible underwater scenes of just you know tree like kelp fields, dulse fields. They were seaweed was just in total rhythm in them. All these different coral reefs and fish that were I mean it was an incredible um, aquatic metropolis. It was amazing. So Jacques was saying, John, I'm going to take you now to that same place. I want to show it to you so you can see it now. And John was really excited. He had like a lot of energy around that <clears throat> to see such beauty. So he gets in the suit and he goes down there. And what he sees is a barren desert. It was all gone. It was just gone. And that was as sh shocking to John uh, as anything was to make him understand that we're not the proper custodians for our planet, that we need to kind of tune into some of the, uh, the subtleties of how nature works, be aware of how species are disappearing. And in his music, in many of his songs, he represents the animals, he represents the whales, the dolphins. He represents all of that. He voices it through. And it's really powerful. And if, if you don't know that yet, listen. <laughs> Pick up some John Denver uh, music. Um, one of the albums that I felt was really uh, very environmentally censored was also when he did an album with uh, Rita and the Whalers. And, uh, and they, they did a reggae song called World Game. So when you hear that... It's called what? Uh, World Game. World game. Yeah. All right. And uh, uh, that was an incredible message. You know, I want to play in the world game. I want to make sure that everybody knows the score about using less and doing so much more. Mm. And that's just the chorus. Mm. So if you start listening to some of these words, you're going to go, wow, man, this guy was pretty hip for understanding things about the environment. So I really appreciated that. Anyhow, I got a chance to bring this thing uh, on the road towards the end of my time with John. It's so great. Why don't we uh, show folks uh, right. some of your moves here, and uh, hopefully that'll war warm you up a few degrees. It's Should definitely, it's definitely cooling down right now. Golly, we weren't expecting that. Right here? Yeah, let me just make sure it's a, a good frame on you there, and then we, uh, we can get going with this, Ron. This is so cool. Yeah, that's perfect. <clears throat> How wide do I have? <laughs> You're good. Am I, am I still good? You just went out of frame right there. A whole frame? You're in now. You want me to scoot back a little? Yep. We're going to back up just a hair. Thank you. Ready? Good. Okay, so this is a liquid trainer. All you gotta do is learn how to move the water from one end to the next. You can do it very easily, or you can do a wrist movement and speed it up. Anyhow, after you learn certain movements, you'll be able to just follow the water.
This is the shoulder movement that I was teaching my clients way back in the day. Anyone who would learn this movement, this particular movement, it's called uh, the crawl and swimming, will never have arthritis. And the reason why is a lot of times when we do these movements, the capsule is contracted. Uh, when you toss the water down, it pulls your arm up. So what happens is you're kind of taking all the tension out of it, doing a full circumduction of the shoulder. And by doing this, you're repatterning that movement so that it works a lot more fluidly in the capsule. If I was going to be a baseball player and I needed something to... I would simulate this movement. Tossing. Fastball. Sidearm. Fastball. Fastball. If I was a golfer, I could simulate an exact swing. By doing it, I don't just do one side. I don't do my dominant side. I do equally on both sides. What that does, it decompresses the dominant side and educates the receptive side. They, be, they interchange their dominance and receptivities. As a result, you have what you call neuroplasticity. The brain is receiving more information. And it's not just the left brain, it's the right brain. So, uh, is it cardiovascular? Yes, I can tell you that right now. That's what I just did. Uh, <clears throat> in doing this, probably if you, can, if you get past the first lesson, you actually can learn it. Uh, and I know that you can. If you actually learn the eight stationary movements, you'll be able to link them all together to the point where uh, it'll become one continuous movement. And when it becomes one continuous movement, you'll never ever want to not use this. Because a couple things, it's fun, and it's quite a workout. So I'm doing this talking with you. I don't even have to think about it, I'm just doing it. Meanwhile, it's like setting a metronome and my body is grounded with ground reaction force. It pivots properly. And then meanwhile, I'm just spinning around my axis, opening up the erector spinae. And the water wants me to go a little further each time. But that's where I have to be smart about it and just keep it within. So, there's all of these different movements. Every plane of motion in the body is used. And Ron, how, how often would you recommend folks uh, use this, you know, week to week? That's a great question. Because we are, we are uh, kind of like conditioned to say, oh, we work out at so many hours a day or so many minutes a day or at this hour. This is one of these things that if you consider it to be like an appendage, and you happen to do things, you take it to the office with you. If you're gonna be on a computer for an hour or so, you might wanna take a break and just do some movements to uh, reorganize the tissue of the muscles. 
and the nervous system that controls that. Uh, so you can use it anytime. I find that with the level that I work at, which is pretty much <laughs> knowing the movements, uh, if I do a workout for 15 minutes, it's like beyond anything I've ever done. And I don't know a system that can match it. Um, if you were an athlete and you were in comp competition and you could simulate the movements you're, you most adapt to, uh, you'll use it quite often. You'll use it five or six times a day. Like a golfer, for example. Think about it. I'm not at a golf course right now, but I can stimu simulate the movement. And because I can do that, if I do it five or six times a day, when I approach a ball with a club, it's the same movement. Yeah. And so there's like, you're always, uh, you're always bringing yourself to core. You're always developing a, a greater core intelligence for whatever you're doing, whether it's uh, running, swimming, any athletic sport, dance, martial arts. And in yoga, I would say, if you did this before your asanas, you might find a pleasant surprise of how easy it is to do your asanas. <laughs> oh, that's a great tip, a great insider. Yeah. Uh, tip of wisdom there. Let me ask, uh, when folks buy their liquid trainer, how will they learn the different uh, moves and forms? When they learn it, they, it comes with uh, level one and level two. So you can, you can through, once you uh, tap into the, uh, the website, then you go to the movements. You'll have your bag, your liquid trainer, and then uh, you go to the movements and you just follow the directions there. And it's all as if I'm teaching you personally. We have, I've worked with this thing for the last 35 years. And so whenever I teach anyone, I always teach them as if it was exactly a mirror. And that's how you'll learn these particular movements. Uh, every movement is with me directly on. And I do it really slowly. So you can pretty much learn it. And if it's too fast, you can always press pause, <laughs> back it up a little and practice. But uh, they're pretty simple, really. Especially uh, if you put the time in to learn it, you'll get, you'll get uh, 10 times the reward. This is so great, Ron. And I just, I'm gonna jump back on camera with you and just remind folks that uh, because Ron has made Liquid Trainer a part of our uh, Why on Earth community regenerative economic ecosystem, you get a 20% discount when you go to liquidtrainer.com. You can also connect with Ron on uh, LinkedIn, and it's ron-lemire-liquidtrainer, and we'll, of course, put these links in the show notes for you. And, uh, Ron, it's been such a joy chatting with you today and sharing this with our audience and it has gotten really cold i'm i'm, I'm amazed by how cold it got here while we've been chatting yeah and i guess this storm that's coming in is something but uh supposed to bring in some snow yeah we're getting <laughs> getting some snow probably soon i uh i just before we sign off for today just wanted to invite you ron if there's anything else you'd like to share with our audience uh or mention Oh, there's plenty of things to mention. We'll have to do this another time, though. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're uh, inclined to go forward and looking at all the sponsors that we have and all that Aaron's working with, either, um, I'm very 
akin to loving the Cousteau Society. <laughs> yeah. So you can look into the Cousteau Society and learn a lot about the ocean through uh, one of our great-grandfathers. That's great. I'll make a note of Cousteau Society and put a link in the show notes for that as well. Well, Ron, we're really excited to be connected even more uh, deeply with you now and to collaborating in the coming months and years. And thank you so much for sharing your liquid trainer with us. My pleasure. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Take care. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.